Hello and welcome to Sports Beat After Hours. I am your host, Hemahemuli Jr. Joining me on the ones and twos, as always, the local lovable Canuck himself, Zach Haken. What is up? Emma, hey, What's up, brother? <laughs> What's up? Welcome to the Sports Beat After Hours podcast, the Sports Beat podcast for us, really, to talk about whatever we didn't get to talk about during Sports Beat on Sunday nights at, what, 1045 is when yeah. it usually happens. And uh, yeah, after the show, we come down here and we podcast about things we wanted to talk about, things we didn't get to talk about, funny things that happened, um, just whatever. And so, yeah, welcome to the show. Busy week this week, um, but a nice week because football yeah. is kind of winding down. Yeah. Man, we've had one hell of a past two months, right? Oh, it's been wild. It's, it's been, been crazy. the busiest. I don't think um, – I've seen my wife less <laughs> uh, in the last two months than I have ever. You're super busy too because, I mean, like we've mentioned before, you just had a kid yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, I'm really tired. Yeah. But so it's kind of nice that uh, football's winding down. And speaking of winding down, this the uh, bowl games have come out, and we've been lucky enough to have three of the big teams here in Utah go to bowl games. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. But first off, let me uh, crack open this cold one here for uh, Utah, who made school history. By becoming the uh, South champions. Well, it also made Pac-12 history and being, what, I think the only team in a Pac-12 championship to not score a touchdown. So <laughs> it, they made a lot of history. For the uh, Utah offense. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's dive right into that because that game was kind of crazy. Um, Utah played Washington in uh, not San Francisco. in Santa Clara. Santa Clara. In the San Francisco 49ers um, stadium. And stadium. just off the bat, like, you can tell that both teams play on turf because they were slipping and sliding all over the yeah, place yeah, yeah. on that grass field. It was really interesting to watch. The weather was, I would say, perfect otherwise. Um, with, you know, there was no snow, there was no rain, there was no mist, there was no nothing. It was, it was a pretty clear evening. But for some reason, Utah still could not score a touchdown. Well, even neither team could score yeah, a touchdown, no team, really. Well, yeah, Washington, the only touchdown that Washington scored was a defensive touchdown. So, yeah, some uh, some struggles offensively for both schools. And uh, Jason Shelley entered the game without throwing an interception to start. He ended up throwing three, including one that went for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the biggest thing that happened was at the end of the game, the non-call on the pass interference, which on fourth down, which yeah, you want to you don't want to take the game out of the kids' hands. Absolutely. Um, do I think that a lot of those calls get missed? Yes. Sure. But the Pac-12 referees, I'm coming at you guys right now. You guys are a joke. Okay. <laughs> they they bring it, it to a different level. Yeah, it's, of how it's ridiculous it's not it is. just um, a one-time occurrence. It's not like this is the only thing that has happened this season, or let alone over the last five years. Um, there's a, you know, five, six year body of work that shows that the Pac-12 officials are consistently among the worst in college football. Terrible. Um, mistargeting, non-targeting gets called as targeting. Oh. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a joke. Um, and unfortunately Utah was on the, uh, the poor end of it this year. And I, it, well, this, this week, and it's happened a few times this year with 
targeting calls that probably weren't targeting, but went against the Utes. And, um, I mean, you know, chances are Utah probably doesn't go down and score, but you never know, and you sure. don't want to take the ball out of the kids' hands to give them that opportunity to do so. Yeah, and it was a blatant P.I. Like, you could yes. – he was on him before the ball was halfway to the receiver. Yeah. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, the game overall was a battle, and if you, that's your definition of good, then it was a good game meaning that it was a defensive battle back and forth. Washington would have good drives and then Utah's stellar defense would stuff them. Um, But Washington's defense was also stuffing Utah. I think so looking at the stats real quick, they only rushed for 51 yards for the entire game. Utah only rushed for 51 yards. Um, They only passed for 137 yards. Yeah. Not a very good offensive game for them. Well, and the three turnovers were just killer. And losing yeah. Britton Covey at the start of the second half was just – it was killer. And it was – honestly, it was a tough game for Utah. The defense was out on the field a lot. A lot. Um, and they held up really pretty well. well. No, they played great. No no offensive touchdowns from Washington, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that this was a game of firsts – or a season of firsts for Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, mentioning Like we mentioned, the, the first time – they went to the Pac-12 championship game as the, they the Pac-12 as the uh, South representatives, but also Matty Gay, he hit a 53-yard field goal. I think is what it was. Longest in Pac-12 championship game history. Crazy. Also, like you mentioned earlier, no touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, no offensive touchdowns. First time that's ever happened. Yeah. Uh, pretty crazy. So, do you let me let me ask you this? Let's back up. A little bit, like widen the lens a little bit. Okay. Is this a successful season for Utah? I think so. Why? It's something they can build forward on. You look at the talent that they have coming back. They return, um, you assume. Hopefully. Hopefully, the quarterback. Uh, you do lose probably your two best defenders in Chase Hansen and Cody Barton. Mm-hmm. Bradley and Nye probably gone. But you return a good chunk of your talent. Um, and I think that... I think Utah is something they can build on and it's a tradition that they can build on. And it's something that they've been building up to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very talented young team. You have guys like Solomon Enos, uh, Green, uh, the running back. Um, Jason Shelley has shown a lot of promise. Um, a great linebacker coming in to fill in for those two that are leaving and Francis Bernard. Absolutely. Um, a lot of really good, talented defensive backs coming back like Gidry and Blackman, you assume. Um, I think this team's going to be good. Um, I think looking at the scope of the Pac-12 South next year, Arizona State might be the most challenging team that they have to face. Surprising. Yeah. In Herm Edwards. Um, just, I don't think USC is going to reload this year uh, as far as, as long as Clay Helton's the head coach. UCLA, a little bit of an uptick. I mm-hmm. think that Chip Kelly is kind of starting to right the ship a little bit there, but, uh, you know, it might be another year or two. And so... Utah might be able to take advantage of another down year in the Pac-12 South mm-hmm. and return. And just depending on what happens in the North, you know, they have a great chance to uh, at least have the opportunity to go to a, go to a Rose Bowl next year. I, yeah. I, think, I think. I think so, too. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the 2019 season holds for Utah. I agree. I think the season as a whole was a success. I said before, you know, if Utah doesn't get to the South or doesn't win the South, it's a disappointing season. Having them actually go to the Pac-12 championship, I 
am a little disappointed in the loss, but in this the season as a whole, I feel like has been a success. Well, I think because your expectations were raised because of what they did. I mean, they, they yeah. had a great season, mm-hmm. um, especially the way that they started Pac-12 play 0-2, and then they come around and have a dominating performance against Stanford, which mm-hmm. at the team, time was a ranked team, um, and pretty much rolled through the Pac-12 up until that Arizona State game where Tyler Huntley gets injured, mm-hmm. and then we're able to rebound and get two huge wins against Oregon and Colorado. Yeah, and then showed a lot of um, uh, resilience facing adversity against BYU, coming from a twenty-point deficit twice right. to come back and beat Utah or BYU. Excuse me. Really, I, I think when you look at it individually and break it down, um, I, I think it's a good season. Yeah, and I and I think you're right. I think there's a lot for them to build upon. Um, Utah's loss to Washington was a little disappointing. Uh, Utah State's loss to, uh, Boise State before the Mountain West Championship was a disappointment. The only team that's not disappointing this year is Weber State. Weber State. Yeah. Let's talk about the Wildcats. One loss on the season. Uh, yeah. I think it was to NAU. Um, got the first round by number two overall seed in the FCS playoffs. First round by. Uh, face SEMO, that's Southeast Missouri State, uh, for those of you <laughs> Not to be confused with, uh, no, just kidding, no yeah. one, no, no one's heard of that. <laughs> that's the longest name I've ever heard for a university. Yeah. If, if there's a longer one out there that you guys know of, put it in our oh, uh, yeah. comment below, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Uh, tweet um, us at KSL Sports. Yeah, SEMO, uh, really SEMO. impressive win, um, especially that second quarter, 27 points in the second quarter. Uh, then SEMO started a little bit of a comeback. Um, Made it a little bit of a game, and then uh, you or Weaver State was able to just put it away with a fake field goal. The uh, punter Amazing. scored, which was awesome. And then a pick six from Jordan Prater, who I feel like has been playing college football for eight or nine years. <laughs> uh, started his career right. at BYU and then ended up at Weaver State and really ended it on a really high note. He's a great player in the Big Sky Conference, one of the best. Yeah, uh, Key defensive player for that Wildcat defense, and he had two interceptions in the game. Landon Stice, who I think might be, in my opinion, the second-best linebacker in the state mm-hmm. um, behind Chase Hansen, had an interception that game. I really like Stice, and I like what um, that team did. Uh, you know, they've had some adversity this season. They, sure. they lost their starting quarterback to a gruesome, gruesome Caden, Caden Jenks mm-hmm. to a gruesome leg injury. Jake Constantine's come and filled out well. Uh, the redshirt freshman from Alta, Josh Davis, has had yeah. a great season. He Might was be out. the FCS freshman of the year um, w- when you consider all that he's done for his body of work this season. And, and, and let me let me just say, like, speaking of bright futures and, like, young talent, Weber State has quite a few of those, yeah. including Josh Davis, including uh, Jackson, the uh, – the receiver, number 81. He scored twice. Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, another young talent on the and team. And like all these guys are homegrown talent, too, that Which they're is, getting, that are being passed up by the yeah. FBS schools. And they're coming in and contributing at an extremely high level in one of the best FCS programs in the history. That um, Credit needs to go to Jay Hill for what Absolutely. he's done with that program. Coming in and took it from a 2-10 and 10 season his first year. To eleven and one, and now they are in the uh, is it the final eight uh-huh. uh, for the uh, uh, FCS playoffs? Going to host Maine? They have yeah, home field advantage. They have the home field through. advantage. That's the biggest thing I think is that they went from going to the just making it to the playoffs last year, yeah. last season, and people were stoked. To this season, most of their games are at home, which is a big deal. Um, I also think that we need to like 
Jay Hill deserves tons of credit, um, like you said, but even more so, like losing Fessy Sataki this season. Yeah. Like, the, not but, just Fessy, but they lost. Oh, um, that's right. Um, uh, Preston Hadley as well. Preston Hadley. Um, so yeah, Weber State is on a roll. They're uh, playing Maine at home, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Do you know what time that game is? That it's on Friday, I believe, at four o'clock Mountain Time. Okay. I could be wrong though. Um, but yeah, go out and support the Wildcats, guys. Uh, Absolutely. Really, really cool and special thing that they're doing this season. And um, as we said before, you know, some of their coaches are getting poached by some big programs. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jay Hill is the apple of the eye of, you know, some FBS programs are going to have openings, including Utah State. Utah State. Some of the craziest news that we've seen, Matt Wells, who's been at the head of the program for the last six years, is leaving. He's going to Texas Tech. Crazy. I mean, the probably best coach of in at from Utah State. Best right? coach in Utah State history, I'd say. I think Gary Anderson put together, you know, Gary Anderson kind of laid the groundwork for uh-huh. that. And what Matt Wells was able to do to keep it going, uh, he took Utah State to five bowl games in six of his seasons, uh, responsible for two of the three 10-win seasons in program history. Incredible. Uh, 44 and 34 record overall at Utah State, which you look at it overall, it's not super impressive, but when you look at the body of work of what Utah State was, mm-hmm. it is impressive. And he really built a great program there that, um, you know, it, it sucks to see him go. I really like Matt Wells. I think he's a very authentic yes. coach who cares a lot about his players. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to take advantage of those opportunities mm-hmm. when a Big 12 school comes knocking with a six-year contract. Yep. Um, and you're going to get paid, and you can – and bring your offensive and defensive coordinator yeah i think uh i think it's hard to say no to that hard to say no and you know what like as as good as utah state has been to him going to a power five conference is is definitely a step up and who would say no to that who would reject that um let's talk a little bit about some possible candidates for uh matt wells's vacant role at utah state like you mentioned before jay hill is probably one of the most sought after candidates i would Mm -hmm. say for utah state um who else are we looking at as far as um sought after coaches you know ed lamb's a guy he's probably a little bit more on the outside looking in than some of these other coaches Mm -hmm. um i think that if this was 2016 he'd be number one on the list oh sure um what he did at uh uh, SUU and then the first season that he was at BYU was really impressive. Mm-hmm. But a couple down seasons and you're the assistant head coach, you know, you're going to bear a little bit of the responsibility alongside Kalani Sataki for that. Uh, you know, when the f- job first opened up, Ed Lamb was the first guy I thought of, but um, just looking at his body of work overall, but, you know, he's kind of trending down a little bit right now, just like BYU is. And so he might not be as hot of a, mm-hmm. as a commodity as like Jay Hill Um Maybe a guy like Dave Aranda, who uh, he used to be um, the uh, defensive coordinator at Utah State mm-hmm. back in the day. I believe he's now with Texas. Or uh, he's, LSU? He's with LSU, sorry. LSU. Todd Orlando is with Texas. <laughs> right. And, Who's another um, candidate? He, he's another candidate. Was previously with Utah State. Um, now, let me ask you this before we move on. Like, okay. speaking of people that used to be at Utah State, how realistic is Gary Anderson I don't think it's super realistic. Nah. I mean, I've heard some people saying that they would like to see him come back, but he's at Utah. He's kind he's of moved he on. Yeah. He's a Utah alum. Um, I think he potentially thinks that 
you know, in a few years, he might be able to kind of ascend that coaching rank. And if Kyle Winningham mm-hmm. is to leave, I think the three main candidates are Morgan Scally, mm-hmm. Gary Anderson, and Jay Hill. Yeah. Two of those guys are on the staff. Jay Hill is at Weber State, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Gary Anderson would want to keep himself in position to potentially, whenever Kyle Winningham decides to step down, potentially get that that uh head coaching gig mm-hmm. at utah um i i think out of those three he's probably number three sure currently. i think i agree he's probably number one with scally number two but that's just my opinion yeah um, another interesting but yeah another be, guy another frank, frank miley yeah tell uh, us about him i don't know too much about frank other than he played at utah he state, played at utah state. Um, defensive lineman uh what a very uh uh recognized for his play mm-hmm. uh uh, defensive lineman while he was at Utah State. I think he was there from like 04 to 07 or something like that. Um, very decorated player. Um, and he was at Vanderbilt. Uh, so he started, I believe, at Utah State, went to Vanderbilt, Was the worked on the defensive side of the ball. Now he was the co-defensive coordinator mm-hmm. um, this year, and he's now the interim head coach. Currently, yeah. Uh, he's a guy that would be familiar with the LDS culture, which is a huge influence on the utah state program utah state has mm-hmm. the second most number of return missionaries in the fbs behind of course byu yeah so wild. you got to know how to juggle manage that roster the job the roster management deal with guys going away for two years how yep. to train them how to get them back in shape when they come back and then you got to know how to recruit utah and also recruit utah polynesians like yeah um which i think that you know obviously him being Polynesian, like he'll have a foot in the right direction in that aspect too. Um, and then the longest of long shots and the last candidate, another Anderson, Lance Anderson. Yeah. If anyone's heard of it, he's uh, from Burley, Idaho. I think uh, mm-hmm. he, currently he's coaching at Stanford. He's the defensive coordinator. He started his uh, coaching. Well, the, spent some time at the beginning of his coaching career at Utah state mm-hmm. and, you know, it could be possible to see him return to uh, Logan, but it'd have to be uh, for a pretty penny because he's sure. a very talented defensive coordinator doing great things at Stanford. Mm-hmm. So, um, And he's been rumored with other coaching jobs in the state of Utah, most famously BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people uh, were campaigning for him to come uh, when Bronco left. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that job. I'm kind of on the edge of my seat to see what happens. And, yeah. Because uh, I, I – I'm really happy to see what's happening, what's been happening at Utah State over the last mm-hmm. few years. And I'd love to see a coach that's able to build on it and continue to make Utah State a contender in the Mountain West Conference. Um, so I think what I'm waiting for is just if this is drawn out and we don't hear of a Utah State coach for some time, I'm thinking Jay, they're tr- pursuing Jay Hill pretty hard yeah. because he's obviously in the playoffs for FCS right now. And he's, I don't think he's going to ditch his team no. in the middle of the playoffs. No. So they would essentially have to wait till the playoffs are over mm-hmm. uh, before they can move on with Jay Hill. So if they, if we see him stringing it out, we can see Jay Hill being a, a real possibility. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, one thing that's really cool. I just want to briefly mention, um, going to kind of segue this into bowl games for a minute okay matt wells is going to be on the sideline of the bowl game as an alum a former player not coaching but he's going to be kind of have an advisement role with yeah. frank miley and um i think that's really cool of him to do mm-hmm. um we saw something similar with bronco mendenhall a few years ago um questionable if they maybe mailed it in a little bit more than um because he was actually 
head coaching like both teams and was like flying out and like recruiting for Virginia, but then yeah. coaching BYU. And you know, there's a lot of uh, people that have said you know they maybe their heart wasn't fully in it. And mm-hmm. Just uh, that was an interesting time in the BYU yeah. program. Um, and uh, you know. Utah State doesn't have to jump through as many hoops as BYU does when hiring just because Mm -hmm. it's not a church-owned school. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm very uh, eager to see what happens with Utah State. But I'm eager to see what happens in their bowl game. They're playing North Texas in the Albuquerque Bowl. Um, Nine-win team in North Texas. Uh, They were former foes in the Sun Belt Conference. Yep. Uh, So kind of a throwback to a bleaker period in Aggie football history. Yeah. For this rematch, but I think I think uh, you know what? I I'll say this: I think all three teams, locally, the three FBS teams, are mm-hmm. favored in their bowl games at this point. BYU's gonna play Western Michigan and the Boise, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Utah got a great bowl matchup. Yeah, on they New lucked Year's out. Against Holiday in the Holiday Bowl against Northwestern. So um, I'm excited for. E- each of these three, I think they're all compelling games. Yeah. Um, not necessarily all three are compelling locations, um, sure. especially this time of year. But, but I would take San Diego over Boise. Okay, so you're going to start campaigning to go to San Diego, <laughs> then, is that what you're saying? If, if I can swing that, I think so. But, I mean, hey, you've never been to San Diego, so, you I know. haven't been to Boise for, like, ten years, and I've never been to Albuquerque, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? I think it'll be fun either way. No, it's going to be a great time, and you know what? As long as any of these local teams win, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. To see these seniors send out, get one last win, and uh, kind of ride off into the sunset before they begin their NFL careers would be really cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've seen these guys grow up and um, kind of develop into young men, mm-hmm. from, from young men into men. Uh, and it's cool to see them, you know, it would be cool to see them leave on a positive note. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one other thing with, uh, well, on, on the note of uh, seeing – people grow from young men to men. Oh yeah. We're both parents. Yeah. Uh, we uh we started a new segment last week, Adventures in Parenting. <laughs> uh what do you have for us this week? So this week, um I'm trying to remember all the crazy things that my children do. But um let me look real quick here. Well, you know, I actually we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Um I remember something that your daughter did while you were FaceTiming her the other day that was one of the funniest things ever because you just, like, put down the FaceTime, like, in disgust, and you're like, my daughter's disgusting. <laughs> you wanna, do, you, oh. do you remember? Do you want to explain that? <clears throat> yeah, so my children, during bath time, obviously they like to play in the water and stuff, and so we'll bathe them really fast first, and then we'll let them play because they're in one spot of the house. They won't leave. So we can go run off and do something really quickly while they're in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Well, my daughter, she likes to play with like teacups and stuff. And um, she likes to drink the bath water. It's disgusting because we just finished bathing them in this water. <laughs> and I'll always have to tell her, like, don't drink the bath water. Don't drink it. Don't drink that. <laughs> but like recently she started saying, nah, like, oh, no. so when I'm like, don't drink the bath water, she's like, Mm-mm. Oh, she's no. got an attitude, dude. So, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the big story, I guess this week is that my children, uh, drink their dirty bath water. That's disgusting. <laughs> they're, uh, hi- they're at least getting hydrated. Yeah. It's better than nothing. <laughs> Ugh, so gross. But anyways, children are disgusting and we love them. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, uh, 
you know, my, my kid's not really at the point that he's doing anything funny on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, more of like the funny stuff he's doing are bodily functions you can't control. <laughs> and you know what? He laughs at it when, if he farts, he's going to laugh at it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, Adventures in parenting. Yeah. I, the other night, actually it was last night. I get home from uh, work kind of late and uh, I'm ready to go to bed. I lay down and um, I can hear my kid. And his little, uh, we have like a little docketot thing. Okay. Simpson, and he just rips one, <laughs> and he just starts laughing, like in his sleep. Oh my gosh! And I can just like kind of smell it, like kind of floating over, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, not many, very many things that I enjoy more than uh, yeah, having to change my son's dirty diapers. Yeah. Just through like. 15 of them a day. Let's like so for those guys out there who have children, do your wives a favor and change their diapers. Um your wives do a ton for them all the time and I know you know that, but it's really nice for them to like not have to change a diaper for a day. Yeah. Just take one for the team, get those hands all up in their business and uh change those diapers. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh yeah, I think that's basically all. You know what? Um, we got to give a quick shout out to uh, just what movies or TV shows that we're watching. Oh, uh, yeah. One of my favorite TV shows is coming back this week. It's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Cool. Uh, won a ton of awards for the first season. It's an Amazon Prime original series from the uh, creators of Gilmore Girls. Stars oh. uh, Rachel Brosnahan, um, who was in House of Cards. Wow. She was the prostitute in House of Cards that, like, Doug Stamper... Um, <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert, murdered. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, she uh, she plays a female comedian, and she's hilarious in it, and the, the oh, lines okay. are really witty, and I enjoy it. I recommend it. So uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, go out and check out Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Season 1 is on cool. Amazon Prime, and Season 2 is coming out this week. So I did not know that that was the same cr- – was it creator of Gilmore Girls? Yes. Okay. It's the husband and wife. I forget Okay. right um, now, but – I'm blanking on it too, but so I never really got into Gilmore Girls, but my wife was super into it. I think everyone's wives were right, um, but I'll have to check out this marvelous Mrs. Maisel because it's better I, than Gilmore Girls. So I really like because in between the two shows, that writer she wrote a series called Bunheads. If you haven't heard of this series and you like Gilmore Girls, I can't imagine why you haven't heard why you haven't heard of Bunheads, but you know, if you haven't look at that, watch that show. There's only one season, I think. Okay. Short lived, got canceled. Um, but it's very witty also. Sherman Palladino. Is that's their name? Yes. Palladino. Yep. That's it. Um, so I'll have to check out marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, yeah, I'll probably watch it when I get home actually. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, um, we'll, uh, that's it for today's show. I'm kind pretty sure. Kind of a short show. Um, we We're, have some other obligations to yeah. take care of, and uh, want to get home and sleep for once. So we're gonna charge these batteries up and have some great segments and stuff for you next time. Absolutely, we got to start getting guests. Um, so uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the show. I am your host, Hemahemuli Jr., and joining me, the local lovable Canuck Zach Hicken. Thanks for listening. Good night, guys.